the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. It's Wednesday. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering questions, Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever's on your heart. You need only to call us, 210-340-9585 if you're outside the local San Antonio area. You can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. We've got a bunch of those that have been coming in. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen. And you will be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, because it's Wednesday tonight, I'm going to be doing our Old Testament Bible study uh, tonight. uh, Spiritual blindness. Uh, Second Kings chapter six is where our studies have led us. Uh, This is really uh, an important study. I mean, this is one of those studies where there's so much practical application for us that um, I hope uh, people are blessed by it. I know I have in preparing it. And then, of course, tomorrow, Paula will be live in studio uh, with me on the date day edition of the program, our first uh, date back date day back together since we got back from our 50th wedding anniversary celebration in uh, La Jolla, California. So um, she might have some interesting stuff this year. Well, let me get to questions. I do have a bunch of them to come in. We will certainly prioritize your phone calls if they come. Here's an anonymous question from our email inbox. Um, I've heard some of my less political friends say things like, I don't need to vote in the election because whatever happens, happens. And it was meant to be by God's design. He's in control. Additionally, when Biden was elected, I heard these same friends say, well, it was God's will. Lord, you chose Biden. I think they're getting this from Romans 13.1. Let me interject here, Anonymous. They're getting it from a misunderstanding of Romans 13.1, and you point that out because you say, but I understand this verse to refer to the positions of government that God established 
um, the, the governing authorities, not the specific individuals throughout history. If I'm wrong, does this mean he hand-selected Adolf Hitler to be the leader of Germany uh, or Mussolini or Stalin or Nero or any of the other, other horrible leaders in history? Let me deal with that one first. I, and I said this is from Anonymous. It's not. I misread it. It's Aaron. So, Aaron, I apologize for that. Um, but um, you understand it correctly. Um, God certainly wasn't voting for Joe Biden. Adolf Hitler was not uh, the man that God uh, uh, chose to ascend uh, to to Germany's leadership role. Um, um, obviously, God has nothing to do with these evil, wicked leaders. Who and I, and by the way, just for clarity, I'm not putting Biden in the same category as Adolf Hitler. So I don't want to be misunderstood. Um, but. Um, God doesn't have a candidate. Um, God wasn't, you know, he almost have to be bipolar. He chose Trump in 2016 and Biden in 2020. Um, God doesn't have a stake in the man or the woman who comes into office. You're right. Romans 13 speaks about the positions of government being ordained by God. And our role as citizens is to pray for those people, to be good citizens, to make their job easier. And so that we can live a quiet life and be free to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, the fact that 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 people would would say, no, God chose Biden uh, is is. Um, uh, almost sophomoric in principle, Aaron. So you're absolutely right. And um, this is an opportunity for you to do a little bit of teaching for your friends. Now, regarding the... Um, and, and I don't care if somebody's political or less political or more political. Um, but but you know what? We need to be good stewards. Uh, I, I, there, there are people that I couldn't vote for. Um, and, and I may not vote for that particular office. But we're supposed to participate uh, in the political process. That is a freedom that we have been given. It is a right uh, and a privilege that we have been given. Um, And this fatalistic, well, you know, what is, is going to happen. It's going to happen no matter what. Um, That's simply not a very Christian view of our responsibility as citizens in this world. Um, Again, I want to emphasize it wasn't God's will that Joe Biden became our president. If you look at the history of the kings in the Old Testament, we're in Second Kings on our Wednesday night studies. Uh, it appears as though God gives the people the kind of government they deserve. And Aaron, the, the thing that we need to understand is that there isn't a political candidate that's going to rescue us. And and I get tired of hearing Christians who put their hopes in a political candidate and then those hopes come crashing down when, in fact, their candidate loses. And churches that have a political bent or bias to them um, are missing the point. Our hope is in Christ. Our kingdom is not of this world. And uh, and, and people that take this approach, um, you know, it's almost like it doesn't matter what I do, and it matters what we do very, very much. It matters what we do very, very much. And this idea that we just sit back passively and do nothing certainly is not biblical. And uh, I, I understand that people aren't interested in the political system in this country. I understand many of us are 
deeply disappointed in the political system in this country. Um, we are deeply disappointed in the quality of candidates that we have. And I think one of the things that we've got to understand is that we have an outlet given to us by the, the nation where God has placed us. This is our government, our process. We have a vote. And we have to exercise that vote whenever possible. So, Aaron, thank you for the question. Hope that makes sense to you. Good Bible exegesis there. Here is a question. This one is from Sharon from our email inbox. She says, I've been a Christian for many years, but sometimes I read things in Scripture I don't understand. I pray for the Spirit to help me, but I still feel lost and I need to look up commentaries or ask a pastor to explain it to me. Someone once told me that the Holy Spirit aids us in understanding Scripture, and that's why unsaved people don't understand the Word. And here's the key to her question. Sometimes it goes through my head when I don't understand something and I question my salvation. Can you help? Sharon, don't don't question your salvation. There are things that I read. Now, the Bible has been uh, my passion, my hobby, my fun uh, for 31 years. I love it. Uh, and there's some things I don't understand. There are things that Paul writes. Even Peter, the Apostle Peter said, Paul writes some things that are weighty. Uh, they're heavy. They're, they're, they're difficult to understand. So even the Apostle Peter had some difficulties understanding. So don't ever question your salvation because you don't understand something. Remember that the Bible is living and active, and that means it grows with you. There's nothing wrong with looking up commentaries. There's certainly nothing wrong with asking your pastor uh, to explain a passage of Scripture to you. The only thing is when he does explain it to you, check it out. Make sure it makes sense. Make sure that it's consistent with what the Word of God says. Be a Berean. But other than that, these are good things. Uh, our understanding, you know, the Bible, th this is a hard concept to communicate. Uh, the Bible is perfect, but our understanding is imperfect. People say, well, why, if we have the same Holy Spirit, do we have different interpretations of these different doctrinal issues over the centuries? Well, it's because we're all imperfect. We all have an agenda. So what we do is we look at the Bible as God's instruction to us for living day to day, being more like him every day. So you you read it. We're, we're, we're supposed to work at it. It's not supposed to be something that we just open up and we understand it. We're supposed to work at it. And as your faith grows, so too will your understanding. And yet the reality, Sharon, is that you're never going to understand it completely. There are some things that just don't make sense. There are some things that are hard. And I would add, there are some things that you're not ready to hear yet. And at one particular point in your walk with the Lord, he'll open your eyes and he'll open your understanding. Uh, I'm, I'm 31 years in the Lord and I still love it when God will give me a greater understanding. One of the things, Sharon, that I do is I'm preparing Bible studies. I have a written commentary uh, on on pretty much the whole Bible. There's some books that I haven't done in the Old Testament because we only do the Old Testament uh, one night a week. Uh, and I have I, I've I've done some couple of times and some even three times, but there are some books that I haven't taught yet, so I don't have a commentary written on those. But um, I love looking at my commentary, uh, 
and especially the application parts of that commentary, um, they're so different now. When I'm speaking to the church now, because I've grown, the church has grown, um, um, we have a, a different understanding of the time that we live in. So we're always supposed to be growing in the grace and knowledge of God and of his will for our lives. And the Bible helps you to do that. So as you grow, we actually grow into the scriptures. And it has nothing to do with whether or not you're saved. Uh, the people that claim to have a full understanding of of uh, the Word of God, uh, they haven't even begun to scratch the surface. And for me personally, after 31 years, I envy most of all um, Cleopas and the other unnamed disciple who I happen to believe is Luke on the road to Emmaus. And I think about the Bible study that God gave them and and when they were walking with Jesus and he opened the scriptures and they said, weren't our hearts burning within us? Um, I love when that happens. And the more I read things, I, I'm personally still in Jeremiah um, for my personal reading, Sharon. And I've enjoyed going through it. And I know it's silly to say, sounds silly to say that you enjoy Jeremiah. It's hard. But I've really enjoyed going through Jeremiah this time um, because I have a better understanding of things. I've taught it completely, every verse in the in the book, but um, I have a, a, a deeper understanding of it. And, and, and it's meeting me where I am. So don't worry about your salvation. Don't listen to anybody else who tells you, well, the Holy Spirit will lead you in it. He will, but remember, you've got your flesh to deal with. You've got a mind that's influenced by the things of this world. We've got a sin nature living in us. And God will reveal things to you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, understanding will come. Don't be discouraged at all. In fact, just accept that as sort of a challenge to really dig in and try to learn more about it. Good question, Sharon. Thank you. And I so appreciate that you are... Um, Digging in. I really do. Commentaries. Make sure that your commentaries are, are faithful, um, solid, and, uh, and they can help you. They can be a valuable tool and asset. A lot of smart people who love Jesus with all of their heart have gone before us. It's okay to stand on some of their shoulders. Here's a question that's anonymous. Uh, is it possible for a person to be born-again Christian and affiliate or support the Democratic Party? knowing what their stances are on social issues like homosexuality, abortion, race, race hustling, I'm not sure what that means, uh, critical race theory, etc. Um, let me first of all say, yes, it's entirely possible. There's a lot of Christians who are Democrats. Period. You know, we, we have a tendency to think, we, we Christians, especially on the conservative side, we can be so self-righteous. You know, we think, well, well we've got all the figures uh, or, or, or all the answers figured out. And we don't. Um, uh, it broke my heart, uh, Anonymous, um, during our last election cycle for president when, when people were, were, they were idolizing Donald Trump. And Donald Trump was a vile human being. Now, was he a good president? I personally think that he was. And as I've said on this program before, I voted for him because 
He was the lesser of two evils by far. But it's so arrogant for us as 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 Christians to 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 think that we've got all the answers and 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 if we elect our candidate then things are going to be better. Now, I've got another question I won't get to today, but a question about is it possible for a Christian to vote for somebody who is a, a pro-abortion? And and you know what? I don't I don't know how any how any born again believer could really do that. I don't understand it. Uh, they may not want to vote for the other person either. They may want to not vote for the office at all, or maybe they want to cast a right and vote. But personally, how um, how we could vote for somebody who would allow unborn children to continue to be slaughtered escapes me completely. Now, people will say, well, well, there are other issues. It's not just that one issue. Okay, there are other, uh, other issues. Um, a party that tells our children that it's okay that they can be any gender that they want to, or that homosexual marriage or that homosexual relationships are healthy and we're to approve them without question. I mean, think about what that's done to our country. Look around at the, the young people and how they're being ripped off in the world that we live in uh, because we've got a large portion, um, some would say a majority of our people in this country, um, support sin and evil. So, uh, you know, I don't necessarily understand how born-again believers could vote their Christian consciences to come up with some of the candidates they do. Now, having said that, we also have to acknowledge that on both sides, right and left, politically, there are a whole bunch of born-again Christians who are spiritually lazy. They don't really dig into their Bibles. They don't really know the heart of God. Uh, they go to church. They're good people. But they're not focused on Jesus Christ. And and that's true not only of Christians. Every religion is, has people who really aren't into what they say they believe. And so they're just, they're more worldly than they are anything else. So um, please understand it is clear that there are born-again Christians who vote Democratic. Our job is to pray for them, to love them not to judge them, and understand that our point of view is not the only one out there that's acceptable. I think uh, if we were in heaven, Jesus or Paul or any of our other Bible writers, I think they would they would be aghast at the sense that, well, we've got to align ourselves with a particular party. Um, again, I'm a conservative man. Um, I think I've got the heart of God. But um, I, I know Democrats who would say exactly the same thing. So, Anonymous, I hope that answers your question. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is another Anonymous question. Um, Pastor Ron, I have a co-worker who transitioned from female to male. It hasn't uh, come up yet, but it will soon. 
uh, telling the truth is always the loving thing to do. And uh, as I've stated on this program before, um, I, I'll call anybody uh, by whatever name they want to be called. If um, her name was um, Michelle and she wants to be Michael, I would I would call her Michael. Uh, but I wouldn't use dishonest pronouns. I wouldn't. I wouldn't allow somebody to change the um, the, the language uh, in, in the in the proper usage of the language. I simply wouldn't do that. And I think there's sometimes anonymous, and we got to be willing to to stand for the truth, even at the expense of our job. It's just that simple. So uh, I would not call a man a she or a her. Um, I wouldn't call somebody who is non-binary a they or them, uh, or a boy or girl, a male or a female, man or woman. Um, that's been the 2,000-year history of the world. That well, Actually, much longer than 2,000 years, but since Christ, the 2,000-year history of, of, of Christianity. So um, it is loving to tell the truth, as long as you're telling the truth in love. And I think you understand that difference. Let's go to... No, there's no question. Oh, I thought I had an uh, anonymous call. Okay, let's go to um, our next question. Um, Vanessa from our email inbox. She says, Hi, Pastor Ryan. I heard your answer about the Queen, and I agree with you. We've had several, a lot of interest in the Queen here. Uh, that person was insensitive to assume the Queen is in hell. However, I'd like to ask if she or anyone who is reborn would not want to live a life for Christ. How can anyone want to be in a position like the queen if they are reborn? Um, Until this day, when I was saved 25 years ago, I want to serve in the church and love on people. Uh, That's the best example we can show when representing Christ. I take offense when professing Christians are not living for Jesus and sell out for him. A couple of things, Vanessa. Um, um, you're responding to a, a question, a call that we had uh, earlier this week in the program. Um, but, but, but again, we've got to take off our United States of America Western rose-colored glasses. You know, God has people all over the world who are who are exceptionally wealthy, exceptionally powerful uh, people of nobility uh, throughout the history. Uh, many, many. Kings and queens and and faithful servants of God have, have professed their lives for Christ and lived in a manner consistent with that. Uh, and the fact that we, the, the queen lived a luxurious life um, that goes along with being a king, right? a king or a queen. So um, uh, I don't know whether she lived her life for the Lord. Let me tell you a quick story, Vanessa, and this will get us to the end of this half of the program. When I was a brand new Christian, six months old in Lord, and I was called to be a pastor. I knew I was called to be a pastor. I didn't know what a pastor really did. But I remember thinking in conversation with Lord, saying, saying, Jesus, if you want me to be a pastor, okay, but I want to pastor a church where everybody in the church is committed and submitted to you. Uh, when and, 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 you know, I think now, looking back on how immature that question was, there's never going to be anybody who's... 100% committed and submitted to Jesus Christ. Vanessa, I'm glad you are. I'm glad that you want to serve in church. I'm glad that you want to love people. And you understand that that's what being a light really is. So it's very important um, that you set that example. 
Um, but but we can't put our ideas or opinions on everybody. The people don't. They're they're just as different. They're in different stations in life. And in that story, I I I, I learned that even in my church, we got a bunch of lukewarm Christians. We had a bunch of people whose priority is not Jesus Christ who claimed to be born again. And um, the only way we can respond to that is make sure that we are committed to make sure that we're living as light for the Lord. So it's very important. Um, We can't judge the queen or anybody else. Uh, She was a professing Christian and Anglican, the National Church of England, and I pray that we'll see her in heaven. Um, but but as for wondering about other people who aren't really committed to serving the Lord, um, you know, that's not our responsibility. That's between them and Jesus. And he will give them or remove from them their rewards. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the program. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. This is the Word to Stand Up for Life. I'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for tuning in. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Uh, I understand we lost signal for about 10 seconds during the question on transitioning. Uh, I think I got most of the information that I wanted to be uh, wanted out there. So uh, if you have any other questions, you can follow up. Here's a follow-up uh, from our mobile app from Scott, who is a regular listener. Um, he says, listening to your answer to the question about government, I believe, as you say, that God created government, but he does not choose the leaders that fill those positions of office. It's our wayward in quotes, free choice that puts those people into power. It's our nation's fault for the leadership we have. So yes, vote and pray. Uh, the the only other thing I would add to that, Scott, is that um, I, I would have phrased it differently. It's it's our fault for the leadership we deserve. And again, the principle throughout the Old Testament is God gives the people the leaders that they deserve. And his leadership uh, is embarrassing at times. Um, It it says a lot about the state of our nation, about the state of the people in this nation. So, um, yeah, we need to to make informed choices. Um, We need to vote. We need to pray. We need to pray for our leaders, whether we like them or don't like them. Uh, And then there's one other thing I would add to that, Scott. I would add that we have to vote our conscience a conscience that is supposed to be formed by Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit living in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and that we are going to give account to him for our vote. I don't know how I would answer the question if Jesus said, how could you vote for a a, a candidate that is actively supporting the, the murder of unborn children? How can you vote for a candidate that is actively supporting 
um, leading people into sin. The, the, our Bible says that it'd be better for somebody to be thrown in the deepest, darkest ocean with a, uh, or never to have been born rather than to be thrown uh, with a millstone around his neck into the ocean. So um, we're going to give account for answers. And, you know, we, Jesus isn't going to listen to what Fox News says, or Jesus isn't going to listen to our, our excuses from listening to, to uh, CNN um, or, or any of the other mainstream news outlets. Uh, our votes need to be informed by our biblical consciences. And that doesn't mean that we're going to find somebody who's going to fit that biblical conscience to a T, but we've got to prioritize the issues. And, um, Scott, I agree with you. Thank you very much for the, for the follow-up to that. Here is a question. This one is from Anonymous also. Um, he says, if it's a he, if you and your wife both love Jesus and are walking with him and everything's going well and you're serving God together, and you're a pastor, uh, even, and your wife comes to you one day and wants you to step down from serving to devote more time to her. You both pray, but God is silent to you. What are you to do? Um, there, there's a lot going on behind the scenes in this in this question. Um, but but things aren't going well. Uh, it's it's that simple. Things are not going well in your home. If your wife wants you to step down and devote more time to her instead of your service together for Jesus Christ. You know, we've got this funny idea, and I've heard it in churches um, literally hundreds of times. Um, You know, our first ministry is to our home. No, it's not. Our first ministry is always to Jesus. And, uh, And in this case, you've got a relationship where um, one of you is walking with Jesus and, and, and grateful to him for what you're doing, and the other one is secretly saying, well, well I want you to spend more time with me. Um, that's not a, a healthy marriage. So there's only two possibilities. One, you, you and your wife have got to sit down and talk about these things, and it's not a matter of, of we're going to pray and God is silent. God has already told you what to do. If he's called you to be a pastor and a pastor's wife, then your responsibility is to be faithful in that ministry. You don't get a, you don't get a second chance. I mean, if you, if, if you decide, well, well, I didn't know it would be this busy or I didn't know it would be this hard. Uh, I, I know people, and I was one of those people who worked secular jobs, and I give every ounce of strength I had to the secular job. Now, the difference in Christ is that you and your wife are both serving him together of your own free will. And, and the idea is we're, we're both serving God. You can't do what you do without her. She can't do what she's called to do without you. But there's never a moment when you get to say, well, I'm going to step back from the calling of God in my life. You can't find that in Scripture. Now, there may be a time... If you guys are unequally yoked in this relationship, there may be a time when you step out of ministry to make sure you get your marriage back on track. But it's not to get away from ministry. It's so that you can be partners in ministry. And maybe Paula will talk about this a little bit tomorrow. Uh, but, but, you know, one of the things that we've got to understand is that when God calls us to do something, we who call him Lord are servants, and we don't get a choice in the matter. 
Now, we can exercise our free will and not be obedient, but but then we're walking out from under the blessings of God. We're walking out of his perfect, pleasing, acceptable will for our lives. And a wife who says, well, well, I think we should step back so that you could spend more time with me. Um, evaluate the time that you, that you do have with your wife. Um, Paula is very busy. I'm very busy. But neither one of us feels ne- neglected or ignored. And so I think, I think this is a really serious thing that you've got to deal with in your marriage. And uh, if you and your wife both love Jesus, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Then service is the result of that commitment. And if you're looking for a way out of serving the Lord, then you're basically stepping right outside of his will for your life, and there's going to be all kinds of difficulties, uh, other kinds of difficulties that will be way more unpleasant than this. If you are ignoring your wife, ask her, what am I doing or what am I not doing that makes you feel neglected? Talk about those things. Be studying in the Bible together. You know, when Paul and I are reading... Um, if we have issues um, like this or or anything else, believe me, the Holy Spirit brings those issues to the surface, and 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 we want to deal with them. But but there's got to be resolution. And when you say you you both pray, but God is silent, He's not silent at all. He's already told you what to do. He's called you to be a pastor. And that's what you're supposed to do. So, hope that makes sense. Uh, this is not um, a healthy marriage. Um, on the surface, it may appear so, um, but we know better. Here is uh, a question. This one is from Philip. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. What is the Christian's role in our government that is creating laws that are against the values of our spiritual beliefs? Are we guaranteed to live in a democracy as a biblical, God-given right? Are we guaranteed to live in a society that gives us a choice to elect our leaders? Um, All over the world, Philip, there are uh, people who live under authoritarian dictators, uh, cruel, ruthless uh, wicked, evil people who are Christians. So no, there's no God-given right to live in a democracy. There's no God-given right even to vote. The, those are laws. We separate the, the secular from the spiritual. But when God asks us to do something and the country that we live in asks us to violate that law, then we have to say no and be willing to accept the consequences. I think that's one of the things that that we've forgotten. You know, when Peter and James and John and all of the others um, stood up, they they were rejoicing because they were kind of worthy of suffering for the cause of Jesus, for the name of Jesus. Um, You know, they expected consequences. In, in this country, when we have consequences, we scream and complain that, that our rights are being violated. Um, persecution is a fact of life. So here's our role as Christians. We vote, we participate in the process, and then we live with the result. Now, we have opinions, 
Uh, this world gives us all kinds of opportunities to share those opinions on, on multiple platforms. But as Christians, we're simply to accept the result. And then when uh, the earlier question we had about uh, preferred pronouns and a human resources problem uh, for people that are transitioning, um, we got to be willing to say, no, I'm not going to do that. And whatever that costs me, if it costs me a job, uh, if, if people hate me because of it, um, then I'm going to live with that because I want to please God. And so often we're trying to protect a paycheck or we're trying to protect a position that we have. And um, truth of the matter is, is, is when you stand for Christ, people are going to hate you. You've got to be okay with that. We don't like it, but we've got to be okay with that. So our role is to support our government, to pray for our governors, and to be obedient unless and until what they ask us to do violates what God has already told us to do. And when we take that step, Philip, then there's going to be a whole bunch of people who are offended by the choices that you make. That's got to be okay with you. Thank you for the question. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Um, an anonymous male. Can women be pastors? If not, why not? Uh, women biblically cannot be pastors. It's simple. Because God said, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man in the church. In the context, there is the order of worship in the church. So that's what the Word of God says. Um, God doesn't tell us why. He explains um, uh, the, the process in the garden. He goes all the way back to Genesis, for it was uh, Eve who was deceived. Uh, this is a result of the fall. Women are not inferior. Women are not less spiritual. Um, um, women are not uh, um, more ineffective as teachers. Um, this isn't a, a I don't like women thing. The Bible says First Timothy chapter 2, verse 12. That's all we have to know. Now, obviously, the, the issue with this is that there are a lot of women pastors. And I addressed this on yesterday's show. Um, uh, we've got a lot of gifted women Bible teachers in our church. But if they decided to go to a place that would allow them to be a pastor, then they would be forfeiting the ability to use those gifts. They would be settling for less than God's best for them. And um, this is just one of those things because the culture says women are equal in every way. God's not saying they're not. God is simply saying that there are defined roles. And God, who is the head of the church, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, he's the one because the church belongs to him. He's the one who gets to make the rules. And if we're really Christians, then what we do is... Follow those rules. So let me say one more time. Churches that have women pastors are selling for less than God's best. That's not God's will, period. And yet, half of the world ignores it. So what are we going to do? And that's not the only thing half of the world ignores. We all ignore stuff that we don't like in the Bible. And that's just one more thing that's being ignored. So, um, not pastors. Let's go to line one from San Antonio, our first caller today, an anonymous caller. Thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. 
my question is in numbers. Chapter 14, uh, beginning of 10, um, the whole assembly talked about stoning them, and uh, then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And then the same phrase comes up in verse uh, in chapter 20, verse 6, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the mm-hmm. glory of the Lord appeared to them. Uh, just need a clarification of what is the glory of the Lord. Is that the cloud, of the pillar of fire? Or, yeah, uh, that, I'll, I'll, thank you. That, that, is, that is the Shekinah, or the cloud of glory. Um, you remember Moses would, would be in the tabernacle, and the, 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 the glory of God would appear to him, and his face was shining when he came down. So that's all that is. And in this particular case, in Numbers 14, uh, they, um, God's glory appeared, and it was sort of his way of, of uh, validating uh, that Moses uh, and Aaron were his chosen servants. If you go way back to the very beginning of that chapter, uh, it says that night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All of the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And then they said, if only we'd stayed in Egypt, um, that kind of thing. So so God was appearing in order to give the validation that Moses and Aaron were his spokesmen. And and they weren't really grumbling. The Israelites weren't grumbling against Moses and Aaron. They were really grumbling against God. So uh, when the glory of God appeared to them, and this happened over and over throughout the Exodus wilderness, this isn't the full glory of God. Um, you, you remember uh, that when um, um, Moses wanted to see God's glory, God sort of snickered and said, no, you can't see my glory or you'll die. So this is just the Shekinah glory of God, a, a picture of Jesus Christ. Good question. Thank you very, very much. I love, love, love the book of Numbers. Here is our next question. This one is from Anonymous. During last Friday's Bible study, you said something very powerful, good, (laughs) regarding followers of Christ. Not to quench the spirit, you stated that the only power on this earth to defeat God is us. Can you please expand on this? Yeah, I can. And and, uh, not defeating God, but but we have the ability to limit the power of God and what he wants to do in our lives. This is one of those things that is just makes me shake my head in awe and in wonder. But the power that separated the Red Sea, the power that separated the Jordan River uh, in Canaan, the power um, that, that, uh, that, that delivered the ten plagues uh, to, to Egypt that, that allowed Israel to be set free finally, uh, that power lives in us. The power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And yet that power, we have the ability to hit the off button. You know, God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. If if we're not being obedient, we've simply turned that power off. And uh, uh, there's nothing, no other power on earth that can do that. 
Um, we have, by the choices we make, the choices to sin, the choice to be disobedient, we can completely negate the power of God. And that's what Paul means when he says, quench not the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We we want to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to us, uh, but we want it on our terms. And there's simply no power of God that's available to anyone uh, on our own terms. So that's a good question. Thank you very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question. Uh, this one is from um, Sam. The Bible says that the coming of the Lord will not happen until after the falling away or the apostasy and the son of man, or I'm sorry, or the son of sin or the son of perdition is revealed, which is stated in 2 Thessalonians 2.3. Is the son of perdition the devil? Is that taking place before the rapture? The son of perdition is the devil, but that term is also applied to Judas, so it can describe the works of the devil through men as well. Um, um, in this particular case in Second Thessalonians, it is a picture of the Antichrist who will be a human, um, and he is the, 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 called the, the, the Antichrist or the son of perdition as well. So um, empowered by the devil, but um, he won't come, the Antichrist won't come until after the rapture of the church. Now, the falling away, the apostasy is a turning away from the word of God. That's what's meant there in in Second Thessalonians. Um, I believe the rapture obviously hasn't happened, but I believe that the falling away has already begun. Uh, churches are turning away from the Word of God. Um, long-standing Christian denominations have decided the Bible has no value for them, or we just make the Bible say whatever we want, or we just decide that well, it's not a you, you can't take it literally. I think that falling away has already become uh, has already started. Let me also say this: I think that we're at a place where the great deception that will lead to this falling away is in process. Um, The world will believe a lie. God will send a delusion, meaning that God isn't deluding us, but but he's allowing the world around us to to convince us of things that we knew were true. How else would you explain the fact that that we can no longer say uh, in mixed company, or we're not to say in mixed company, that a man is a man, a woman is a woman, and that can't ever, ever change? I mean, that wouldn't even be a conversation 10 years ago. 2,000 years of New Testament history just thrown down the drain because of what the world is saying. How can we believe that? The World Health Organization came out recently with a statement that said that, um, um, that, that, that male and female are not the only two genders. Um, the World Health Organization. How could anybody believe that if, in fact, um, that falling away hasn't already begun? So I hope that makes sense. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Robert from Spicewood, Texas. I don't know where that is. Robert, thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. Yeah, it's just outside of Austin, just west of Austin. Um, oh, cool. 
really enjoyed some. My, my wife, Lisa, and I came and uh, visited your church back in April on our 30th anniversary, and it was nice to meet oh, you, Paula. Cool. Oh, um, thank you, Robert. Congratulations on your 50th. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> thank you. Hey, I have a quick question for you about a couple of authors that I've been reading a lot of lately. Uh, Watchman Nee and Andrew Murray. Do you have any thoughts on yeah. those two fellows? Yeah, I do. I'm not a fan of Watchman Nee. I am a fan of Andrew Murray now. But uh, oh. Watchman Nee, I wouldn't recommend Robert, but I would recommend Andrew Murray. Um, good stuff there. Thank you for calling. Maybe we'll see you again sometime. Okay, let me see. I get time maybe for one more question. Two minutes. Two minutes. Uh, if Jesus talks to us through his word, what is the point of the gifts of the prophecy? You mentioned there are gifts of prophecy, but you don't listen to people who say, I have a word from the Lord. Um, good question. Um, remember, the, the gift of prophecy does not make one a prophet. And the gift of prophecy is um, um, the edifying, or it's for the edifying or the strengthening of the body. And it's the fourth telling of God's word. So, for example, when we have an afterglow, that's when we, we have the, the, the gifts of the Spirit being exercised in church. If somebody says, the Lord laid a, a, this Bible verse on my heart, uh, he'll, he or she will read that Bible verse, and then uh, somebody will say, that, that verse was for me. That's what the gift of prophecy, it's not the foretelling of God's word, it's the foretelling of God's word, meaning the word of God. So um, the gift of prophecy is for the edifying and the strengthening of the body, a word in season, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, uh, but that does not make one a prophet. And when somebody comes to you and says, I have a word from God for you, um, well, you got to measure it really, really quickly and, and carefully uh, because typically God will speak to you, not through somebody else or not to somebody else about you, but speak to you. Hey, thanks for the questions. We'll be back tomorrow. Paula will be live in the studio uh, with us on the date day edition of the program. Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, 4 o'clock tomorrow, we'll have all these issues ironed out, and we'll be back. See you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The word to stand on for life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.